0: Welcome again to uh, Four Points, and listen. If you are a first-time guest with us today, we are so pumped that you decided to come here and hang out with us for whatever reason. Uh, we don't care. We're just glad that you came. And so, I want to tell y'all one thing: uh, we have new mints in the back, and uh, so if you see Jenny at guest services, they're green. And I'm telling y'all right now, I literally believe thousands and thousands of people are going to come to these, to this church because of these key lime mints. Has anyone had them? Raise your hand if you've had the key lime mint. If you have not had the key lime mint, it's going to change your life. Thank you Tron. So y'all got to try I'm telling you right now it's unbelievable. I stole it from Tron so I could show y'all because it's it's really good for real and we bought 30 pounds just because I like them so (laughs) we're not gonna run out for a while and if we do I'll buy 30 more. So it's all good. Listen, um, if you missed last week because you were with your mama or out of town or whatever, I just want to briefly tell you what, what the Circle Maker is. And, um, and we're going to jump right into today. So the video shows a guy who draws a circle in the sand and begs God for rain. And three different times he, he begs him more specifically. And God brings a miracle. His name was Honey. He was about 100 years before Jesus' time. And uh, it, it, it's a story that has lived on to this day. You can read it in history books. His name is Honey, And that is what the legend of the circle maker, this whole book, the circle maker book that we're going through, Um, In four different parts, that's what it's about. And so um, last week we talked about Jericho and how we circle things and and how our prayers are so mundane and so weak because we're afraid we offend God, but in actuality, our bold prayers honor God and God is honored by the boldness that we have in our lives. And so um, last week was an awesome week and uh, this week we're going to take it a step further. And so today we're talking about dreaming big. The title of the message is Cloudy with a Chance of Quail. Cloudy with a Chance of Quail, and, and we're going to talk about dreaming big and going forward. I, I want to say two things before we get started, though, and it's about this. First of all, I, I just show of hands and be honest. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not, you're not going to get like timeout or even detention, I, but I just wanted to know the truth. How many of y'all have read your Bible since last Sunday every single day this week? Raise your hand high. Raise it high. High. I've read my Bible every single day this week. Awesome. So there's six. All right, so... I'm not, I'm not mad at you, and I'm not trying to embarrass you. There is a point to this, okay? This is what we say, okay? Y'all stay with me. I want to hear from God, right? I want to hear from God, and I don't understand why I don't hear from Him. And yet, and I might be mistaken, and I really wasn't trying to be sarcastic. I think six out of about 115, six people read their Bible every day. And, and the reason that we don't read their, our Bible is because we don't have time. Or we don't do, you know, it's just hard, right? It, I mean, it's difficult. I, it, or, this is my favorite one, and th- this is why I'm saying this. Dude, the, New Te- the Old Testament's boring. I really don't want to read the Old Testament. I'll read the New Testament. First of all, if you just want to read the New Testament for a while, that's fine. That's good. We're not mad at you if you just read the New Testament. Read something. Start with something. But the second part is, man, I love the Old Testament. Someone asked me the other day, Mark, how do you come up with messages? And this is what I tell them, and I'm not being funny. I I come up with messages because I read the one-year Bible, and, like, it just comes to life. It's amazing what happens when you read God's Word every single day. It's amazing. And so this is my challenge to y'all. If you want to hear a word from God, read the Word of God. (laughs) It's really cool. It's it's a novel idea. Because we have time to get on Facebook for an hour every day, but we don't have time to get on our face with the Word of God. And so that was just a little side note, just saying if you want to hear from God, and see miracles happen in your life, it's really cool to start with the Bible and reading it every day. Um, By the grace of God, I haven't missed a day this year, and it's been something that I've made a priority in my life because I think last year I missed several days. I've made it a priority in my life this year, and I'm doing the one-year Bible, and it's awesome on the iPad. I just want to encourage y'all, make that a priority in your life if you want to hear a word from God. Because if you're not in the Word every day and you're not praying every day, I promise you, you're not in touch. And if you treated your husbands or wives that way, how would our lives really look at home if we didn't talk to our husbands or wives for weeks at a time except on Sunday morning for one hour? So, just a little side note. So today's message is, Cloudy with a Chance of Quail, and um, it's one of my very favorite stories in the Bible because almost nobody knows about it and very few people preach on it, and it's found in Numbers chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 11. And this is how we find miracles in our lives, okay? This is like the formula. So I shared this with our small group on Tuesday night, but I want y'all to write this down. This isn't even part of our notes, but the raw material that God uses to perform miracles in our lives is raw dependence on God. The reason that we do not see miracles in our churches and in our own lives is because we are not dependent on God. We are dependent on self. The reason that we don't spend daily time in in the Word, like y'all admitted just now, and I'm not mad at you. Please don't feel like I'm fussing at you. The reason that we don't do that is because we're not dependent on God. We got it, right? I'm good. I don't have time for that. The reason we don't beg God for things and spend time on our face before a holy God that we've been given the right to do like we talked about last week. He tore the veil. He let us go into the Holy of Holies. And the reason that we don't beg God for things and we're not bold is because we've got it. Well, raw dependence is the necessary thing that it takes to see miracles happen in our lives. And today, we're going to push through the junk in our lives and we're going to get to that raw dependence. We're going to push through. I want to give you three things, of how three ways that we can uh, find miracles in our lives and start dreaming really big. And I'm not talking about winning the $600 million last night. Some dude from Florida won. so I thought it was going to be me, but whatever. But that's not the kind of dreams that I'm talking about. I'm talking about dreaming big of what God can do in your life. Because listen to me. I'm not a feel-good preacher. I just called y'all out for not reading your Bible, so I think y'all know that I'm not a feel-good preacher. But I do mean this with all my heart. I want everybody's eyes right here for just a second. I feel like I'm teaching y'all. Every single person in this room. There is zero exception. Every single person in this room can be greatly used by God. Every single man, every single woman, and every single teenager or preteen, every single person in this room can be greatly used by God. Every person in this room. There is not one of you that is not talented enough or beautiful enough. There is not one of you. God does not look at what you look like or how you speak. God looks at your willingness and your heart. And this morning, what I want you to do is peel back the onion layers and get to the point of raw dependence where you need God more than you need anything in your life. And I'm telling you, it will be unbelievable what God does in your life. There is none of you. There's not one person that God can't greatly use. None of you. So I'm going to give you three things of how we're going to get there and start seeing miracles in our lives. Number one, stop trying to rationalize everything, everything in my life. Stop trying to rationalize, because don't we do that? Like everything that happens, we have an answer for it, right? Well, this happened because of this. Or, or this is how I can fix this. And we, all we do is we just sit there and we make things happen in our own minds. And faith is not in the process. Like we don't need faith. We rationalize. I, Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse 4, says, Now the rabble was among them. Excuse me, the rabble among them, which is like a mob, by the way. The, the mob that was among them had a strong craving. So let me just give you all a picture. They hadn't eaten meat in a long time in Israel. And there was this small group. There were a pack of angry people, and they were hungry, and they were getting ticked off. And so this mob was, had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. I'm hungry. I want some meat. These dudes had been eating bread that was falling from heaven called manna for a long time, and they were getting tired of it. And this is what they said, and I want y'all to pay special attention to their words. And then I want you to consider yourself as I'm reading this. Verse 5, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there is nothing at all but manna. Look at this junk falling from heaven. To look at, I'm so tired. God, this, this, this is miserable. All I see, I look up and I just see this flaky stuff falling from heaven, which by the way, if that doesn't freak you out that God's making, making it rain bread, but you're, you're frustrated with it because it's all about me. Life is all about Mark. And if y'all aren't this way, I really want to sit down with you and find out how you got to the point that life's not all about you. And God, I know that you're the provider and I know that you're making bread fall from heaven so I don't ever have to buy it. I know you're making bread happen, but I'm tired of bread. I am selfish and I need what I need. And this is what we do. And if this is such a beautiful picture of the human being. This is such a beautiful picture of sin. This, is, this, this sums it up. And I'm going to admit something to y'all right now that I'm embarrassed about. But it's just real and raw and I'm just going to be honest, okay? There have been times in my life where I've said this. If I were not a Christian, I would do this, and I would enjoy it. And it's several different things. Like if I wasn't a Christian, I would go to so-and-so, or I would do this. And the Word says that sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a season. That's what Paul said. Sin is pleasurable for a season. It's fun. It's fun but but he also says paul also tells us that i'm a slave to sin that i i that it owns me and so this is what i say god saved me i want everybody to stay with me god saved me i begged him lord forgive me i cannot believe what i did my sins cost you the cross you had to take the punishment of the cross because of one of my sins i was punished it was punishable by death i deserve hell i deserve devastation but you took my sin you who knew no sin bore my sin so i could be called the righteousness of god but listen Even though that you took that slavery and that sin from me, I want it back. Why, it was fun. It was fun to be a slave to sin. I want that slavery back. And what we fail to remember is the promises that God has given us and the freedom that we have in Christ because we have manna. Because my life doesn't look as fun as those people. Because if I really walk with Jesus, I have to suffer sometimes and it's difficult and I want the fun that they're having. Why can't I have that and it is amazing that we get that selfish, isn't it? And if y'all aren't that way, then I'm just telling you, and I'm not mad about this. I'm happy that y'all are better than me, but y'all are better off than I am. Because my honest thought is my life would look like this if it were not for that from time to time. And I sound just like the children of Israel because this is what they honestly said. I wish I were a slave. They got beaten. They punched them in the freaking face and ripped their clothes. They raped their women. The Egyptians did. They were nasty to their people, but they got to eat fish. And in the times that we want different things in our lives, we forget all the bad stuff and we just want the good. And so we don't care about the consequences when we have an affair or adultery is what I should call it on our wives. We don't care about that because that is fun. That's what I want to do. And so we forget all of the things in our lives, what it will do to my children, what it will do to everything else. I'm going to have adultery because if I wasn't a Christian, it wouldn't matter anyway. And that's what I'm going to do. And so we just say, bump it. It's all about me. I I enjoy being a slave. We close our eyes, we let let the deceiver put the wool over our eyes, and we say, man, this is going to be awesome. And guess what? It is. For that one day, or that one month, or that small season, it is awesome. It's fun. And if the Israelites would have gone back to Egypt, and they would have sat down for a meal, they would have enjoyed it. I mean, really, they would have enjoyed that fish. They would have enjoyed the leeks and the onions and the melons and they would have been sitting there saying, Isn't this awesome? And the next morning when they had to get up and start making bricks again, massive nasty clay bricks to build the pyramids and everything else they had to do, I wonder if they would really be appreciating that fish. Nope. But you know what? All we can think about is the present because we are so caught up with self. And I'm telling you right now, church, listen to me. The reason that we don't see miracles is because we're so raw dependent on ourselves that we would rather be slaves to sin then glorify Jesus Christ with every part of our lives. The thought of going and witnessing to someone that, oh my gosh, I'm just, I can't tell anyone. I'm not outgoing like you are, Mark. But I'll go party with them. That'd be awesome. Really? Like, you don't care enough about their soul and the fact that you have hope in Jesus enough to tell them about Jesus, but you'll go party with them because that's fun, right? What if we cared so much that we didn't care about us as much as we did everybody else? And we started loving people and serving people and helping people. It doesn't matter what color they are, how they smell, what they look like. We just love people. But I'm telling you right now, if, we're, if we continue to be slaves to sin, we're going to look like the world looks and we're going to act like the world acts because they're slaves to sin. And we are just like Israel. We're just like them. Continue reading with me in verse 13. Moses is really overwhelmed. He's like, God, check this out. What you want me to do, this is crazy. I'm tired of these people weighing on me and I've got these 600,000 Israelites that can walk plus the babies and the children. I'm pretty overwhelmed. So this is what he says. Where am I to get meat? To give all these people for they weep before me and say give us meat that we may eat i am not able to carry all these people alone the burden is too heavy for me if you will treat me like this kill me at once if i find favor in your sight that i may not see my wretchedness and so this is what he's saying god i can't handle this right? he's like i feel like dying this is the pride talking in moses's life cuz this is what he's telling god god I have to do this, right? And even the people that are walking with the Lord, like Moses, I really believe Moses didn't want to go back to Egypt, and Moses trusted God, but when he had to deal with 600,000 angry people, this is what he told God. You're not going to do it, and you're going to make me do it, and I don't want to do it, so just kill me. And so even when we don't want to go back to being slaves of sin, what we say is, God, I still don't have raw dependence on you. I still have to fix this problem. I have to make everything right. There's huge problems in my life, God. I'm overwhelmed with the stuff that's happening in my life, but, but God, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think you can do it. Like, honestly, honestly, where you sit right now before I give you the second point, I just want you to picture this. Do you really believe God is bigger than the problems that you have in your life? Do you, I mean, really. I'm not saying amen, brother, on Sunday morning at 10.30. I'm not asking you to say it right now. What I'm saying is honestly, when you're by yourself and it's Tuesday and life, all hell's breaking loose all around you and life sucks. Do you really believe God's bigger than everything in your life? And that even when things are so difficult, you know it's God's best that is happening in your life. Do you really believe that? Or is this what you say, what Moses is saying right here? God, really? Like, this is what you're going to do in my life? You're going to let these bad things happen to me? I Just kill me. This is what Moses is saying. Forgive me. This sucks, God. This is miserable. I hate this. That's what Moses was saying. Please kill me, because I don't want to do your work anymore. And we look just like him. We look, I mean, my life reflects Moses so much, or Israel, because I'm either wanting to get back into sin and hang out and mess with the former life that I used to live before God changed me, and I was dead, and then I rose again a new man because I moved from death to life by trusting in Christ, but I dabble in that old nasty sin, don't I? And then after that, when I'm walking with Jesus and I become a pastor or a lay person that loves Jesus, that can be greatly used by God, when difficulty comes my way, God, I got to fix this, and I don't know how to do it, and I look just like him. And this is the question that I have to answer. Number two, how big is my God? I must answer that question. How big is my God? How big is my God? Verse 18, say to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, you will give, who will give us meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt, therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You should not eat just one day or two days or five days or ten days or twenty days, but the whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you become loathsome. Excuse me, and it be- and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? I love being a slave, God. But Moses said, the people among who I am, number 600,000. Moses is still questioning him, by the way. Moses is still saying, dude, this can't happen. Are you crazy? We got 600,000 dudes on feet. Not to mention the women and children and some other people. Like There's probably over a million people that i got to feed. What do you want me to do? How will I give them meat that they may eat for a whole month? Shall flocks, listen to what he says, because this sounds like us. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them, enough for all of them? Like, seriously? Or shall fish from the sea be gathered for them enough. and this, the, Basically, this is what he's saying. Are fish going to jump out and come into our camp and hang out with us and we just gather them up or, or are the herds just going to one by one come to us to the number of maybe a million cows and we'll just slash all their, all their necks like, really, is this going to happen? God, how do you suggest I feed all them meat? And the Lord said to Moses, if you have a pen or an iPad, or something, you need to highlight this, underline this, star this, and you need to go back to this Verse. Numbers chapter 11, verse 23. Every difficult thing in your life, you need to go back to this, you need to go back to this, and go back to this. I love this verse because this is God saying, come on, man. Come on, man. I'm God. Come on, man. And the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true or not. And this is what God, like can you imagine being God, just for a second, and you're looking at Moses, who is your man, who, who you've greatly used, and, and you parted the Red Sea, right? So the walls are up on the sea, and they walk through, and the same dude that you've used is looking at you going, hey, can you really handle meat? Isn't that what we do? Like God does great things in our lives when we look and go, God, you're not big enough. Like, I really don't think you can handle these problems in our lives. And God says, is my hand short? Listen, in the palm of my hand, this is what God says, in the palm of my hand, I hold the entire universe. For those of y'all that come to this church weekly, we know that universe is so stinking massive. It is billions and billions and billions of light years long. And one light year is five trillion miles and it blows our freaking minds. You can't even imagine how big billion miles. It doesn't matter. Anyway, miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and there's no mathematical number that we can come up with in miles for the entire span of the universe. It is so big. And God holds it in the palm of his hand and then, but he's not good enough to to provide me. And that is so much what I do in my life. That is so much what I do in my life. Like when prayers come or I need to pray big or I need to go farther, I look and I have to answer the question, how big is my God? And I don't pray big. One thing that I love about this book, the Circle Maker that we're reading, is the stories that uh, Pastor Mark Batterson has in it. And one of them is the story of the Ebenezer Coffee House. How big is my God? Is the Ebenezer Coffee House? Do you have the map, Zach, to put on there um, of where it is? Can y'all see like where it is? National Community Church is right there. And then um, Union Station is one block away, and then um, right here is the capital, the U.S. Capitol, and so they, they have a pretty decent location. Capitol Hill Baptist Church is over here, and you got like all these different things, and then the White House is right here. Just, I mean, just off the map, but it's not very far at all. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if y'all know much about Washington, D.C., but that is pretty expensive real estate right there. Wouldn't y'all agree? Like right across from the Union Station and then just down from Capitol Hill. That is like, there's a square there and everything there is millions and millions and millions of dollars. And their church believed God was going to give them something crazy. And they were praying, they were praying, God, we need this land. It was a crack house. This building was a crack house. And they they literally, their guys would walk circles around it. Y'all gotta read the story, it's so amazing. They prayed, they begged God. And listen, they believed their God was big enough to give them this coffee house and make it their church. And their land, that their main campus, they have several campuses, I think it's six, their main campus sits right there. It is, you can't get more, Heart of Washington, D.C. And probably in America, there's not 25 places you can find that's more expensive real estate than that square right there, right by the capitol building, right by Union Station. It is unbelievably expensive and they got it for a tenth of what it should've cost them. Why? Why did this happen to them? Why did God do this in their lives? Because they had raw dependence because listen, they could not make it happen. I want y'all to see what it looks like and I really wanna go have coffee by the way but that is the Ebenezer Coffee House and right beside it is their church. And Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come through there every year. It is a self-sustaining coffee house that, that um, does, gives money to missions in their, through their church, and it makes thousands and thousands of dollars a year for missions, and it is a miracle. That is a miracle standing there, and throughout this book, there are, there are so many. This is just one example that I wanted y'all to see because it's tangible. You can actually see what it is, and I want to go there and have coffee just because I, I want to sit in the seat that is a miracle seat. And taste coffee from a place that God had to do something so big. And listen, Mark Batterson is a great pastor and he wrote a really good book, but he didn't do this. Like, Like, listen, in your life, if you can explain everything that's happened, then you don't have to explain to people how big your God is. And this is the reason that I love this story is because there's no explanation other than, man, God's hand is not shortened. I serve a really big God. And you know what, I wanna know this God more, man. I wanna know him so much better. I wanna be so familiar with his word that when someone says something to me, I can just say yes yeah, right there. I wanna hear his voice when he talks to me audibly and, and I, wanna, I wanna pray so deeply that I know him so that things like this can happen. So I'm just gonna share this with y'all. We decided as a staff that, that I was gonna share this today. We've been praying for a while for the building right next to you. If you turn around, there's a wall there, and then on the other side of that is an equal amount of space to this. There's, in this building, there's um, this whole building. There's six equal parts. We have the HI section of it, and JK is right next to us, and it doesn't mean just kidding. It's literally JK. That was a good joke, though. It's, it's literally JK right next to us, and... Um, Austin got a key a long time ago, and we store some stuff in that back area and Earl Furman's been real nice to us in letting us do that and and so we have our storage right next door, and there's small storage in the back but like when we walked in the door, my heart like jumped with excitement because I looked and said, "Oh my goodness, that is our kids area that is our four kids area like it's the perfect entrance way and this would be perfect and we could knock this wall where the nursery is back out and have room to expand to about 300 in here and all that would become guest services back there with like a green room and all this and that would become all kids with nurseries. There's a big worship area. This is awesome. And they want more money for that next door than they do for this part in here. And we just started praying. God, we want a miracle. As of right now, no one's moved in. We thought someone was going to move in um, in June. We thought they were going to start in June. They were going to do a construction project, and it fell through. And so this is what we're praying, y'all. We don't have, I don't have news like, God has done a miracle. I'm asking y'all to be the part of a miracle. I'm asking y'all to pray. Because I'm telling y'all, we, we won't pay the full amount because we can't. We, 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 we cannot pay it. But this is what we really believe is our God's hand has not been shortened and, and, and he's able to do a bunch more. And we're boldly asking God, we're, we are, we're literally walking a circle around that part right there. And we're boldly asking God, we want thousands of kids to come through the walls in J and K and hear the gospel of Jesus. And it is ready to go, it's crazy. We would not have to put that much money into it because it, it's like it, it was made for us. We believe that that's what our God wants for us. And I believe he's bigger and better than any circumstance or cost or money or owners or anything that can happen. And so during the summer, we're going to have a meeting and we're going to offer them something for that building and this building. And the answer may be no, because God may have something better. But we boldly and strongly believe and what we're asking is that y'all do circle maker prayers with us and that y'all pray over that. If you got kids, I'm telling you, it will be amazing. If you don't have kids, we want to see the children, the young people in this community know Jesus as Savior, and that's why we want it. And so we're praying boldly around that, and then I'll just tell you the other one (laughs) that we're praying, and it's even more bold than that. There's a piece of land off Hammett Road, and 101, as you go toward Reval Road, that little cut-through road right before, and it's The grass is about this tall right now, and every time I pass it, I can see the buildings over there for four points one day, and we're praying circles around that building. I think it's a 36-acre piece of land back in the back, and um, we have dreams of what we want to have happen. I haven't even asked about a cost yet. It's very preliminary prayers, but what I believe is God can give us anything. I believe he can give us anything. I had a couple people say, you better buy land now because it ain't going to be there in a few years. Well, if God wants it to be there, it'll be there. And I want to buy land as soon as possible, but God knows where we're supposed to be. So the question that we have to ask ourselves are a couple things. One, do, do I honestly believe that God is able to do these things? And two, will I pray so specifically and so boldly and believe that God's arm isn't short? And number three, Will I step back and watch it rain? After I circle my dreams in prayer, will I watch God bring the rain? And in this particular case, bring the quail. Then a wind from the Lord sprang up, this is verse thirty one, a wind from the Lord sprang up and and it brought quail from the sea, and let them fall beside the camp, and about a day's journey on the other side, and a day's journey on the other. So both sides a day's journey around the camp had two cubits, which is a yard, three feet of quail on the ground. And the people rose and all day and night, the next day they gathered quail, those who, those who gathered at least 10 homers and they spread them out, around, out for themselves all around the camp. I just want y'all to know how many quail fell because I found this fascinating. Um, 20 miles each way, three feet deep. Um, I did a mathematical equation because I'm crazy like that, and I want to know the the measuring amount that they took home was 10 homers, and that is approximately 2,200 liters or 580 gallons. So if you'll picture with me, this dude right here, can y'all see it? It's 300 gallons. So if you take two of these dudes, your family would have taken home two, of these full of quails. Now, I don't know if y'all have seen a quail, but that's a lot of freaking quail, right? I mean, good grief. So you go from no meat to two of these dudes full of quail. And I'm talking about full of quail. And I don't know if my math is right because this is completely and totally a guess, but it would have been somewhere around 4,000 quails that you take home when it's piled up and they're neatly, tightly packed. 4,000 quails. So, like, when God said there's no way in a month you're gonna eat all these, literally, there was no way they were going to eat all of them. As a matter of fact, if they would have eaten one per meal, per day, per family, it would have taken way over a year to eat all the quails for, for, the, for that community in the wilderness to eat all of them. It's crazy. They begged, they were mad, they, wallowed, they were. they wished they had been in slavery, and all they had to do was beg God and say, God, we need meat. And Moses... Wallered and was mad and was like, dude, how am I going to provide this? I don't have enough cows. I can't bring the fish out of the sea. And God said, how, is my arm short? Really? And once they sat back and just let God be God and we realized how big he is and how awesome he is, what is J and K to the God that owns cattle on a thousand hills? What is Hammett Road in 101 really to the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills? And I, I'm just going to tell you. Your generosity is greatly appreciated. And I hope you tithe today because I believe that's honoring God and I believe that's obedience. I believe you should give every Sunday or if you get paid once a month, once a month. I believe that's part of worship and that's what you should do. But listen, God doesn't need any of us. He doesn't. God doesn't need me to give my $150 that I give every week. God doesn't need me to do that so that we meet budget. God is God. His arm hasn't been shortened if I don't give my $150 this week. God is big and awesome. This is what I need to ask of you as we close. I need to ask you a couple questions. And the first one is, like, have you met God? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Because if your life doesn't reflect that, like 2 Corinthians 5, 17, like Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation or a new creature That old junk, your slavery is gone. Listen, you can't be a slave to sin. You cannot be enslaved anymore. And constantly go back to the same junk and never be freed from it unless you're freed by Jesus. And for so many people, we play games. We've even talked to a preacher. But we don't know God and we don't read the Word every day and we don't do all these other things. Why? Because we don't even know Him. For several people, I'm convinced. Last week, eight people looked at me and said, I need Jesus. And no one stood up. I'm asking you, I'm begging you today. I'm boldly believing that some of you are going to do this. Because why? God is bigger and better and He can handle it. And listen, your life is not going to be good without Jesus. It might be fun for a while, but you'll never have the peace that comes by resting in him with faith. I'm asking y'all to stand up and say yes to Jesus. And he, But here's the other one. A lot of you guys in here are truly Christians. I believe it with all my heart. We are followers of Jesus. We have said yes to him. We followed him. But we've never really let God be God. We've never made him Lord of our lives completely and totally. And listen, what I mean by that? We believe God's arm is too short. I'm asking y'all to stand up, come forward, whatever y'all want to do, kneel at your chair. I respond to this fact. God is so much bigger than any problem, anything that I have in my life. I don't have to fix it anymore. I can give it all to Jesus. That's all to him I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In His presence daily, I surrender all. Listen, all means all, not most. I'm gonna give Him everything. The most difficult, dark thing in my life, I'm gonna give to Him and let Him help me through it. Why? Because He's able. His arm has not been shortened because your problem is so big. God can handle it. I'm asking every person in this room to pray for Ray. Every person in this room to pray for Ray every person for J and K and for Hammett Road, that God does such big miracles in our church that we have to write a book and say, listen, we didn't have the money, right? I mean, we can't do this, but God can. God can do anything. God can do anything. I believe with all my heart that this time next year as we're closing up the year right before Memorial Day, that our children are going to be worshiping right next door. I believe that. I just believe God's gonna do it. And I'm asking y'all to beg God because he loves bold prayers. He's honored by the fact that we know we can't do it, but we know he can. Will y'all pray with me? God, I pray for boldness and transparency for the people in this room. Is there anybody in here that would be honest enough to say I just want you to slip your hand up. I don't want you to move. Slip your hand up. Mark, I'm being honest, man. I've never followed Jesus as my savior. I just want to see your hand slipped up and right back down, Mark. I I don't know if I'm saved, man. I, I need Jesus. Will you just raise your hand right here? Slip your hand up right where you sit. I'm not asking you to move. I just want your honesty, Mark. I'm not sure if I'm saved right now. And I need Jesus so bad. Clip your hand up for me. How about for the people that um, you're certain that you're saved? but Man, you really struggle giving God everything that you have to give Him. You struggle with how big God is. You try to fix everything in your lives. And you've never really had that prayer life where you circle things and you're bold because honestly, you can't get past yourself. And it's so tough, and if, you're, if you've never been there, that is so awesome because I've been there so many times in my life. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward unless you feel led by the Holy Spirit to do it. I just want you to, to just stand up where you are. If you feel led to do that, stand up where you are and say, Mark, I need to make God, thank you. I need to make God first and Lord of my life. I need to make him the leader of my household. I got to believe that he's big enough. Just go ahead and stand up right where you are. There's a couple already standing. Stand up right where you are, if that's you. And for everybody else in here, as we close in worship, I'm asking you to commit with us to pray that God does things so big that we can't explain it, but we tell everyone that we know, we didn't do this, God did it. I'm asking y'all to stand up and commit to doing that. Let's pray, God, Um, as we come to worship this morning and close out. I want to praise you in advance for what I believe you're going to do. Lord, it is so hard to be raw and fully dependent on you because we so bad want to fix it. God, I I want to win the lottery so I can build us a church, right? I mean, or I want someone to to give us $20 million so we don't have to worry about it. Lord, as as I prayed last night, you, this is this is what we talked about. I would much rather you do this than me be able to say, yeah, we we had the the six ticket numbers right. How much greater of a testimony is it going to be when we say you did it. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how it happened, but God did it. We don't know the people that gave us the money. We don't know the people that gave us the land. We don't We don't really understand why this happened, but God did it. We are fully dependent on you, Lord Jesus, to make this happen because we can't do it on our own. And we are grateful that we serve a God whose hand has not been shortened and who can do greater things. We love you, Jesus. Right now, we're just going to worship your holy name. Amen.